Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Airport Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures movie, Airport. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv. And uh, riding in the cockpit today, we have none other than the captain herself, Mrs. Uh, Jim O'Kane. Hello, everybody. It's um, a pleasure to be here. <laughs> For wide varieties of pleasure. Uh, this is my <laughs> wife, Nancy, and she is uh, uh, very, very kindly decided to, uh, to be a guest on the show. Just on those cases that she's going to kind of be our uh, Joan Rivers of the show in case Mark or I cannot uh, fulfill our duties for a particular episode. But she has yes. suffered through watching every blasted minute of this film. Several times. Yes. Oh, my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've actually given her the minute that uh, is one of her absolute horrors. You, you are not a, uh, I would not say you are a happy flyer. I am not a happy flyer. I just don't care for it. Never have. I'll do it if I have to. But it's it's similar to having to go to the dentist office. You just do it and wait for it to be over. That's my opinion of flying. Ah. <laughs> and we fly an awful lot. So. We do. <laughs> It's uh, so the good thing in this this movie is we can explain exactly. Actually, George Kennedy can explain all of your he fears. Can mansplain. Yes. <laughs> yes, I I need a man to explain these things to me. Yes, especially if he's got a cigar jammed in like a like a toothbrush. <laughs> that he's, he's looking around for toothpaste. I was surprised to see in this minute that there's actually a curl of smoke coming from that cigar. I always thought it was just a prop. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's very subtle. Yep. It's very subtle. But I caught that too. I thought, oh. That's and that's odd because he had taken it. Well, we'll get to it. He had taken it out of his mouth, and then all of a sudden, you see the smoke coming up. <laughs> well, I wonder how many boxes. I, that that would have been one of the things I would have asked if if the set directors were still around. How many boxes of uh, stogies uh, George Kennedy went through on this movie? Because I would imagine. It's I'm, I'm assuming. Up. I'm assuming he smoked them in real life. That was not just for his character. I, I would think so. I, I think they all were smoking like chimneys. All these. All these folks were, you know, regular Chester in the Chesterfield Club, as it were. Mm. So it, was, it was the time. I mean, look at how many in those first couple of seconds. Look at how many ashtrays there are at the ready on that uh, on that coffee table. There's one, but two, that's, three. That's so how life was back, back in those days. Everybody smoked. Both everybody my parents did. smoked back in the '60s. They had ashtrays on the back of the seats in buses and airplanes. There were ashtrays in men's and ladies' rooms. Well, I assume men's rooms. They were in the ladies' rooms. I can remember in my pediatrician's office. In my pediatrician's office when I was a kid, Doctor Lynch. Uh, he had one of those, it had at least three of them, in between the chairs. They had those little, it was like a bowl, and you could push a button on the side to dump all the ashes into a larger bowl <laughs> underneath the ashtray. Wow. I'm going to throw up now. Uh. <laughs> Mark, did you ever smoke? No, never. No, that's uh. one. I, I drink martinis, I will admit it, but I don't, I've never smoked. Now, now, you were a smoker for a number of years, right? I was a two-pack-a-day smoker for a while when oh. I was young and foolish, mm. and that's... um. One of the good things that my ex did for me is he got me to quit smoking. Uh, so I will always be grateful to him for that. <laughs> wow. Well, what, do you remember your first, your very first cigarette? Yes, I was in the sixth grade. It was in the ladies' room at Sunday school. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> One of the girls in my Sunday school class had stolen a cigarette from her mother's pack and showed it to me during the middle of Sunday school class. And I was properly awed and intimidated. And she said, come on, I have a match. Let's go to the ladies' room. So I don't know 
how we thought nobody would notice that two little sixth grade girls came out of the ladies room and there were smoke clouds following them, but somehow we got away with it. And that was the start. Ah, the bite <laughs> wow. of the dragon. Did it make you nauseous? <laughs> uh, not that Dizzy I recall. Or anything? Not that I recall, but I doubt that I actually inhaled at that point. I probably just, you know, put the smoke in my mouth and puffed it out again. It's the uh, two of us trying to impress each other with how cool we were. Wow. <laughs> now you were, you were smoking a, a lot before you were eight. I mean, I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. We, we used to be able to buy cigarettes. I mean, I, I can remember being a kid yeah. and my, uh, my good, my late friend, Joe Hudgnoski, he used to go buy cigarettes for his dad. His dad smoked Kent cigarettes, which were yeah. oh, with, with the, the micronite filters that was made out of solid or nice, uh, cottony asbestos. It had asbestos yep. plugs in it. And, oh my uh, good God. He used to go, he used to go to, um, we lived down the, down the well everybody had a corner store back in new jersey but we'd go to a corner store and he would have to go pick up a pack of kents for his dad mm-hmm. oh and nobody it, cared if children bought cigarettes in those days no and we were we were on i don't even know if we were 10 years old i think we were like nine years old picking up a pack of kents for joe's dad when i was uh, maybe 10 or 11 years old i used to go across the street to our corner store and i would bring home a six pack of beer for my dad <laughs> oh it yes, I did. A different world. I uh, when I was in, I believe, high school, I bought a six pack uh, for my dad, and unbeknownst to me, two of the bottles had been taken out of it, and I just didn't notice. And I bring it home, and he's like, "There's only four bottles in here," and I said, <laughs> "I said, oh, it's actually that's actually a four pack. They're test marketing it for alcoholics." <laughs> He was not amused. No. Uh, yes, advertising family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. How stupid was I not to notice that, you know. <laughs> well, you didn't know how much they usually weighed. You didn't notice it was light. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, so long ago and far away. I mean, trying to imagine imagine any of this happening nowadays, there'd be, you know, police inquests and all kinds of stuff. But different world um yep. they're, they're still all huddled around that uh micro the, uh, yeah. munchkin table right yeah this mm-hmm. is like the kids the kids table and <laughs> where are there they have to be kneeling it's the only thing i can think of because those chairs are right at the level George of the... kennedy is is a big big guy yeah 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 he's like he was like six four six five something huge and uh, i guess lloyd nolan must be sitting on a box or something because he's he's about what five two maybe tops but they're all same eye lines. Uh, and dear, dear Jean Seberg holding the fort. She's doing an act. They're all doing a good job here. I mean, they're all acting like equals. Although I cannot figure out what Lloyd Nolan is doing in this as a as a meeting. What is he doing there? He's giving them. The, Isn't he the customs agent or something? Yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, he's giving them the smuggler's angle on the whole thing. Well, if I were smuggling <laughs> this stuff, I'd. Uh, and uh, somewhere that model. I, I wonder who has that model. Some. Somebody has it in a in a glass case in their room next to their posters. Or it's of, in the basement. Yeah. Stowed away somewhere. Uncaring grandchildren who didn't realize what a great uh, prop it was. Yeah, they say, here's Grandpa's model airplane. Do any of you guys want it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, put it on eBay. Yeah. That actually, uh, that actually happened. Somebody that had worked on the special effects for Thunderball had uh, one of the Vulcan bomber models six feet long wow. just in the garage. And they finally... they. They put it on eBay for five grand and nobody bought it. Even I didn't put a bid in on it. <laughs> like, what the hell would I do with that? <laughs> Hang it from the ceiling. Yeah. So it's a cracker barrel or something. That would be a thing to, to see walking into a 
or actually Planet Hollywood might want it. Who knows? So we're talking to uh, we're, we're talking in this particular episode. We're talking about um, explosive decompression, the, the cherry yeah. thing, and and good old Joe uh, Joe Petroni has a has a wonderful story about w- when he was in the uh, in the Air Force on a Mats plane. Yes, and and can you enlighten us and tell us what Mats is? Mats is the uh, military air transport service. They were formed uh, actually it was a joint venture between the uh, Air Force, Navy, and uh, uh, well, the Air Force and the Navy, because the Army had turned into the Air Force at that point. But they used to do all the transport service. They were kind of like the UPS of the air for the military. And they would move. They, they did I knew the, you would know that, Jim. They did the Berlin airlift. They did um, They did a lot of work during the Korean War. They moved uh, tanks and planes to uh, Florida during the Cuban Missile Crisis, all, all kinds of stuff. They were uh, disbanded in... Uh, 1966. At the time, I guess he's talking about like around the Korean War, maybe during the Berlin airlift of 48, flying in pressurized planes like a dozen. Yeah, when, when these guys are talking about the war, they're talking about World War Two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, think about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, the war that's going on at the moment, and this is Vietnam, and none of them are involved. Right, yeah, yeah. So he's he's sitting in a, he's being transferred on a Mats plane at 20,000 feet, and he's talking about how uh, one of the windows broke out, and the guy that was sitting next to him got sucked out with the one of the most descriptive phrases of this movie, like a hunk of hamburger. So it's a, an image. A hundred and seventy pound hunk of hamburger. Boom. Going through a garbage disposal, he says. Yep. Yeah. Oh. In other words, splat. Yeah. Yep. Squish. <laughs> In a word. Yeah. Oh dear. So he's uh he's talking about things going through the the hole that was left behind in the window after he went through like a hunk of hamburger. He says the stuff that went after him were coats, pillows, blankets, cups, saucers. So cups and saucers. Apparently, they serve coffee in cups and saucers on Air Force planes back during uh, just you know post-war. Back um, then, that's how. Yeah. Yeah. Was it before the invention of styrofoam? <laughs> where Where was my you know my uh, petty fours? I, what are they serving on this? I'm picturing that they have stewardesses. This is quite a quite a first class thing for a military aircraft. So he watched all this uh, hullabaloo going on next to him in, the, in this hole. Mel knows all about this too, so he says it takes three seconds for the uh, the air to clear, which you know all of this is. Yeah, full- uh, uh, Bert is spending most of this scene just like he's got this like really grave look on his face and he's nodding. Yeah. Yes, that's what. It's been an easy day for him on the set. <laughs> yes, I see. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I'll see you at the Brown Derby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it lunch yet? Yes. What's on the craft service today? He's talking about uh, everything fogs up. That you know that there's a there's a vacuum involved or now, partial. Now, why would everything fog up? Is it the ice crystals or something? Well, no. It, I mean, imagine if you if you imagine opening up a vacuum cleaner bag while while the engine while it's running. So everything yeah. that get everything that was blown around inside that plane is going to be. You know, it's still blowing around. I mean, it's just just a fog fog of air, mm. and also everybody on the plane is going to be pretty foggy because the uh, the pressure is going to be so low. You're going to start getting anoxia. You won't be able to have enough oxygen. That's why you got to put on. You got to get on oxygen, which is what he's talking about. He said you can't breathe, so unless you get on oxygen in under a minute or 45 seconds, it's well, he doesn't finish the word, but it's goodbye. In, in those days, Jim, did they have the oxygen masks built into the? Uh... The compartment above your head? No, I think on the on what he's talking about, like a mats plane, like a transport plane. I think you'd have a right. bottle next to you. You just right. have a, the green bottle. But I mean, the... on this plane, on on this. Uh, oh, on the seven hundred seven, yeah, the the masks all come down. 
Oh, even back then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, that would happen automatically when the when the yeah, side of the plane blew open. Yeah, when there was a massive uh, change in pressure, the uh, it's kind of like a smoke alarm. It would go go off. The pressure alarm would go out. Ah, so, well, that's um, reassuring. Yeah, yeah. And and we saw the demonstration. Remember when uh, Maureen Stapleton was waving goodbye to the airplane? We saw the the stewardesses going up and down the aisle showing how the mask would drop down and how to put it on over your mask. So all this stuff is really, really bad expositional foreshadowing. But they do a pretty good job of it. And we wanna, you know, this is almost like watching a coming attraction. So what's going to happen next? Well, this is what happens. Right. What, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? Well, exactly this. Helen Hayes is going to turn into a Big Mac and just about, you know, <laughs> just see a pair of shoes go out the window. <laughs> No, that rodent that she's wearing on her head. <laughs> yes, the, the little beanie hat, that'll get left yes, behind. Yeah, that'll, that'll float in the plug, air. plug the hole. <laughs> I wonder where that hat is. Wouldn't that be great to have? <laughs> just like put it, you know, just keep it uh, like like in, 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 a, in a glass case. Yeah, in your a, a half dome, yeah, just, just on, <laughs> yeah. A, on a little hat stand. Uh, some, somewhere in Universal Studios, it's probably, well, actually, they probably ditched it all. I mean, a lot of those, a lot of the studios just dumped everything in the mid-70s. We could go back with a... With a checkbook and an auction with, block. Yeah, big checkbook and a, and a, and a van. Yeah. I'll, I'll take, take that. that. Yeah, I'll, uh, that one too. Yeah, I'll, I'll get yeah. that. No, no. The bolts from uh, Frankenstein's monster from 1931. Just... Oh, my God. We, miss, we missed our opportunity. We were too busy. Uh... Yeah. You just had to wait for somebody to invent eBay. Yeah. Well, that you e could have made a fortune. Well, eBay kind of blew a hole in the side of the auction business. That's the, <laughs> the problem with that. Everything that used to be worth a fortune is now worth, well... What the market will bear. Well, I mean, people used to give stuff away, and then yeah. eBay hit. Like, I'm not giving this. So this is worth money. You know, <laughs> it's worth big money. Yeah. Oh well, it's uh, somewhere that is somewhere. If 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 anybody out there who's listening owns this thing, or if, if your dad worked for the prop department at Universal and he brought it home one night, please let us know. We just we don't care where it is. Just send a picture just to see. Um, yeah, we my, just want to touch it. My That's bet all. is that there's like three of those seats are still left in the plane. All the figures are missing. They probably uh, mm. uh right. Probably, probably... And there's a uh, and there's a matchbox car uh, in the middle of the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The yellow bulldozer. Yeah, and the and like the word uh, Air Joey is written on the tail now in Magic <laughs> right, Marker. Right. Uh, yeah. Not a bad minute. I mean, this is the most expositional phrase. Uh, one thing that bothers the, the the thing that bothers me the most in this particular minute is Clark Howitt, the Bert, Bert Weatherby there sitting across mm -hmm. from him, has to say the line: "Is is it really that powerful? Are you sure?" It's like because well, they want to drive home to the audience that. Yeah, that this the is the stakes are really high. Yeah, but it's like this guy is the head of TGA, and he's asking the chief mechanic of TWA if he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about airplanes. It's just <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure? What do you what do you know about airplanes? Uh, I wonder. If, I guess it makes TWA look competent. It would be interesting to because uh, remember that in a, in a similar scene we were wondering if it was really that actor or or a well, body double actually if you look in this minute go back to uh second 13 and look at the guy on the right i do not think that's the same guy the hmm. guy on the right in second 13 is not the guy at second 54 it's two different guys huh. are you are you seeing that mrs O'Kane? I am not seeing it right at this moment, but now I'm going to go back and look carefully. Okay. And... So second 13 and then second 54. 54. 
I, he's got. A, I'm looking at his ear, and I'm looking at his eyebrows. His eyebrows aren't even the same. Oh, you're right. The other guy seems like he's yeah. sporting quite a tan. Yeah, and his hair is different. His hair is smooth. Yeah. I, I, no, you I, might be right. Isn't that what they said about uh, uh, what was it? The movie Heat, I think, with with Al Pacino. Uh, uh, Al Pacino and um, De Niro. De Niro, that, yeah. De Niro. That, that famous scene, they, they you know, it, they weren't really, because they shot it from the back. It was really weird. It's like, okay, you have these two great stars. How about a master shot where you can see them facing each other? Yeah, it's like they did it. At, it's, you know, it's like the Ebony and Ivory video. They just filmed two different spots and they just added right. in. But, yeah, that looks like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. We talked about this yesterday with uh, with Peter. Where uh, let me think of his name. But uh, but they wouldn't have him. I mean, if you if you look at it, second uh, fifteen, he, he actually kind of turns profile. Yeah, and that Why doesn't would they... that doesn't look like him. I mean, even when he turns, it's not looking like him. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look. He like looks. Him. You're I'm, right. You know, I I just remember the name William Boyett. William Boyett. Mm-hmm. That's, oh yes, he yes. was in this. He's in this movie. And I'm just wondering, uh-huh. was Clark Howitt sick that day, and they dropped him? You know, they dropped this other guy in, or they just needed a pickup truck? Or on stop? a bender, Clark had been hitting the <laughs> hitting the bottle at the uh, the uh, smokehouse. Down like the, the yeah, the Glenn Livid was too. He was out on a Glenn Livid flu. But yeah, that is not the same guy. I. But I mean, he's close. He's, yeah, the, yeah. The guy's definitely close. Yeah, I mean, like, but I he, mean, talk about that. Imagine that casting call. Meet <laughs> somebody who looks exactly like Clark uh, Howitt. Yeah, Clark Howitt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The profile in like second fifteen or whatever does not look like the guy at second fifty-four. Yeah, absolutely not. Well, I don't think George Seaton. Right, we was... need we need the descendant of the continuity person to call <laughs> us. Yeah, just just to check. I mean, George Seaton was probably not figuring that people were going to be looking at this like it was the Zapruder film, frame by frame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Wait a minute, but yeah, I think those are two different guys. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> If you go to minute ninety three, have you ever known? Yeah, we can we can track down with that. Well, I notice they're all uh, they've all got uh, cups and saucers full of coffee. Coffee, yeah, they're back with uh, and no sign of a coffee pot though. Where they, they just walk that in from the restaurant? Where where are they? Well, get- Tanya probably brought it to them yeah, on the tray. Yeah, brought it. Yeah, sure she yeah. There's probably a silver wow, tray. Wow, if you look at second twenty one, Lloyd Nolan is looking constipated. Uh, he kind of always does though. Yeah. He always looks like somebody woke him up from his nap, and he's like, you got to get back on the set. Oh, prunes. Shouldn't have eaten all these prunes. Damn it. (laughs) So the the craft service table is having its revenge on him. And now, when you look at second 58, is George Kennedy wearing a hairpiece? No, I think it's just, I think it's creative combing. I think that's just the perfect comb over. It It is completely glued to his skull, though. Yeah. But they have, they have figured out the maximum coverage area for every strand of hair on him. He's, you know, mm. right on the right on the borderline of if he ever combed it back, he looked like uh I don't know who he's Count Dracula. Like. He's like Bob Newhart. <laughs> well, all in all a good minute though, right? Oh yeah, no, I think it was fantastic. The lighting is great and they and everybody gets a little piece of this. They all have their own little uh little lines. I think does everybody and- they do a good job preparing the audience of what to expect. This is what's going to happen when the bomb blows off. Yeah. So, so you'll know that the the plane won't break in half. It's just the and where the control. He, the guy goes over where the control cables are, and 
mm-hmm. and you know what what you can expect. It, it's pretty good. It's pretty good for lining it up. And that's you know the denouement for this whole thing is only going to be in another ten ten more episodes. So by next week we'll be we'll be really into it. The um, denouement, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that denouement. Denouement. So. Uh, All right. Well, a great a great a great episode. Um, Thank like you, Captain. Say, yeah, I like it. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'll come back again whenever I'm needed. Yes. That makes me an ensign, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's uh, she's been been putting up with this for uh, 93, 93 days of episodes, and long before that when we were God. prepping. So uh, it's good to, good to have her on the show, and she's very very patient to to be part of all this. Uh, so we will probably uh, she's going to be our our Joan Rivers in case either of us are missing. So uh, you may hear her in future episodes, I'm sure. If uh, she's done with her Latin homework, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually she does. She uh, captain is not just a moniker because she actually did get that from uh, working with the Army Reserve. By with accident. the Army, please, not with, in the Army. I want to make sure that people understand. I'm not really. I did not serve, no. but I worked you stood for the Army Reserve for many oh, years. A civilian. I was working. a civilian employee, and that's how I acquired that nickname that somehow has stuck with me for many years after the fact. <laughs> yes, that's your internet meme name. It is. So people she's... people that don't know my first name know me as the captain. Yeah. So, so uh, we will have the captain on late, uh, later on in, in the show before before the season closes. So we'll, we'll see that. But thank you again for being on. And for those of you who would like to uh, write notes to the captain and and want, want to find out more about her sorted background, uh, you can do so on several different uh, social media. We'll go through the list real quick. Twitter, Airport Minute. Facebook, Airport Minute. Also, the Airport Minute Commanders Club. You can join us at the big site, airportminute.com, and uh, leave us messages on each one of the episodes. Yeah, that's where that I like there. to hang out. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where you, you get, all, there, that's where you get all, the table. all the cool swag is there. You know, all those T-shirts that say, these nuts are stale and... I've got 99. Tom Taylor has one of those. He does. Yeah. God bless Tom Taylor from the Indiana Jones Minute. So, if you know, really cool people are wearing this. So you got to get in there, airportminute.com, go up to the shop in the upper right-hand corner. Right, because as soon as Universal gets one, of it, <laughs> there won't be any more. <laughs> we've, we've all had public domain. It's okay. Right. So, uh, so join us join us over there at airportminute.com. And you can get this this show, this very show, can be delivered to you every single day, Monday through Friday, if you go to iTunes Search for Airport Minute and subscribe to Airport Minute. It'll it'll get right out there. So uh, we can thank you for for getting our show every day. And uh, there's not that many more left. So you know, please get down there now. Yay! Still live. I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah. I know, Mark. You just <laughs> you wish this was. We could do the extended uh, extended play if they ever come out with one. But many, the missing minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Join us tomorrow when we've got. Well, not that we don't have a super cool guest today, but tomorrow, epic. <laughs> epic guests we actually have two guests on the show so uh really tune in this is going to be like sweeps week here Um, but join us here tomorrow on the on the airport minute to to hear some more exciting powerful news as as this plane gets ready to to do its thing so uh, we'll see you tomorrow here on the airport minute until then good day bye bye nice going sweetheart remind me to send a thank you note to mr bowling (laughs) 